Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. I hope everyone has had a great week so far. If you haven't listened to Toxic Mommy Culture from Monday, make sure you go back and do that. I wanna make sure you didn't miss it because a lot of you have been asking me to cover that topic more thoroughly. I did, got a lot of great feedback from those of you who did listen to it or watch it on YouTube, so thank you so much for that. Today we are obviously switching gears, as I assume you can deduce from the title of this episode, Enemy of the People. We are talking about the media, how many, not all, maybe not even most, but many in the media, the left-wing media, the anti-Trump media, whatever you wanna call it, have spun a particular narrative in their coverage of the coronavirus over the past few months and what damage that has done to our morale and our ability to get accurate information. If you're like me, you feel like there is conflicting information that's coming at us every day. And so maybe you've just kind of bowed out and you've said, okay, you know what? I, I can't deal with this anymore. Just tell me when this quarantine is over. I don't want to scroll through Twitter. I don't want to hear about the coronavirus because nothing's really changed and I can't figure out what is true. So what I'm going to try to do today is I'm going to try to show you the prevailing narrative that many people in the media have tried to push and the hypocrisy that it shows because it is absolutely insane if you look at the timeline of the things that they've reported over the past few months. Before we get into that, I do wanna tell you guys about ExpressVPN. I've talked to you about ExpressVPN before. I've told you how important it is to have a VPN, especially right now as you guys are working from home, you're on your computers and your phones even more than usual. This is like a hacker's paradise. Make sure that you are protected with ExpressVPN. It is the VPN that I use to protect my data, to protect my information. Unlike other VPNs, ExpressVPN doesn't sell your information to advertising companies, which kind of, it kind of uh, undermines the purpose of having a VPN if you have a VPN that does that, but ExpressVPN does not do that, which is what makes them so awesome. Another thing I love about ExpressVPN is that I can have it running in the background of all my, uh, all my devices and it doesn't slow anything down. So I can do all the work that I need to do without worrying about videos playing more slowly or a page not loading or anything like that. It's also really simple to use. Downloaded the app the other day, signed into my account, have it running in the background of my phone. You can easily download the software onto your computer. It really is so easy. So I highly recommend that you guys check it out. It just makes me feel more secure, makes me feel more comfortable and safe knowing that my information on my devices is secure and that hackers aren't going to be able to get into it and to use it for who knows what. So at least go check it out. You have nothing to lose just looking at it, looking into it online. Go to expressvpn.com slash Allie, that's A-L-L-I-E, expressvpn.com slash Allie. If you do decide to get ExpressVPN, you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Three months free on a one-year package, like that's a really good deal. Expressvpn.com slash Allie, that's expressvpn.com slash Allie. So on Monday, President Trump had what I will call an epic press conference. I don't, I don't know if I've ever used that adjective in my life, but I'm going to use it because I don't even know how else to describe it. It was an epic press conference. The relationship between President Trump and the press has grown increasingly adversarial. Like you probably didn't think that was possible after the whole Russian collusion thing and just how ridiculous that was. I mean, you never hear about that anymore, do you? 
but it has. It's become an even more fraught relationship, even more tension between them because in President Trump's defense, like, yes, sometimes I think that he is a little bit too harsh and he's a little bit too petty with the press. But in his defense, the narrative that they have crafted, the multiple narratives that they have crafted around the coronavirus in order to try to make him look as bad as possible, it's ridiculous. And I agree that it's bad for the country. And there are many people in the press who put themselves at enmity with the American people by constantly criticizing President Trump when he doesn't actually solicit criticism. There are times when he does deserve critiques, when he does deserve criticism. I'm glad that there are honest and objective people in the press that are willing to criticize and critique the powers that be. That is totally fair game. But when you constantly put yourself on the side of being an adversary of President Trump, you are going to find yourself in alliance with bad causes, with bad stories, with factless narratives, and even bad people and bad countries like China. We've seen a lot of the media take the side of China in all of this in an effort to try to make Trump look worse than he actually is. But that's the position that they've placed themselves in. So on Monday in a press conference with the coronavirus task force, President Trump forced the White House press corps to watch their own hypocrisy. He played a montage that basically just demonstrated the narrative that they're trying to push of Trump being incompetent. And he put that in contrast to what is actually going on, what his administration has actually done, what the governors are saying who are actually in this coronavirus fight. And of course, the media had an absolute fit over it. Uh, CNN, their chirons read that Trump turned this into a propaganda hour, that he was melting down, that he was angry, which just goes to show, again, how non-objective CNN is, even though they try their hardest to pretend like they're unbiased. So the supreme narrative of many people on the left side of the aisle, uh, left side of the aisle who are in the media, the anti-Trump media, whatever you want to call them, the supreme overriding narrative goes like this. The coronavirus could have been prevented and its effects mitigated if Trump had taken this more seriously and acted more quickly. Therefore, Every infection, every death, every bit of stress felt by healthcare workers is Trump's fault. This is a supreme narrative, which means that every other story or potential story has to fit into this framework. This is what a so-called journalists today do, no matter what the story is. Uh, they claim to be impartial, they claim to be objective, but what they actually do is they start with a foregone conclusion and they find points, they find quotes, they find sources, they find facts to fit into that conclusion. They come up with a conclusion and they try to build an argument around that. And then they call it unbiased reporting. They say, no, 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 I'm not political. I'm not partisan. I'm just seeking the truth. Well, the fact is they are seeking a narrative. They're seeking a foregone conclusion. Now that's fine. If you are an opinion host, if you are a pundit, if you're a commentator, if you're paid to give your opinion, like I am, I'm not a journalist. Now I try my best to give you the whole truth. I don't manipulate, I don't lie to you. I try to give you caveats and nuance where these things exist. I try to show you the other side of the argument, but you guys know my perspective and I don't try to hide that. The overriding narrative, of so-called objective journalists adheres to this idea that this whole thing is Trump's fault. And that means that every infection, that every death, especially that of young people and people without underlying health conditions is Trump's fault. So every hospital hiccup, 
Every complication is reported and hyperbolized so as to attempt to point to Trump's incompetence. It means that the responsibility China has is often ignored by the media or minimized. They'll even cast China in a positive light, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. It means that the media will deny their own culpability in downplaying the virus, which they did in January and February, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. It means that they'll deny Democrats culpability in downplaying the virus like both Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi did. It means they'll do whatever it takes to make Trump look bad, simultaneously saying that he's acting too tyrannical and insisting that he is not acting tyrannical enough. It means that they will ask stupid questions at press briefings to get a viral moment rather than focusing on the issues that affect this viral disease. You guys probably saw the parody video that I posted on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook that was saturating some of the stupid questions that the press ask in these, in these press briefings, but it's really not that far from reality. Everyone is looking for their uh, 15 minutes of fame by asking something that really pegs Trump rather than asking the questions that are pertinent to the American people. So let me show you how this supreme narrative of everything being Trump's fault has played out in the media over the past few months. So the New York Times has an April 11th piece titled, He Could Have Seen What Was Coming, Behind Trump's Failures on the Virus. A quote says, an examination reveals the president was warned about the potential for a pandemic, but that internal divisions, lack of planning, and his faith in his own instincts led to a halting response. The piece argues that Trump ignored advice from experts. He downplayed things. And if he had taken earlier action, this would have all been avoided. This is the narrative of most of leftist media that Trump has failed, that he hasn't taken it seriously. And he hasn't done things perfectly. And again, I'm fine with criticism. But the fact is that Trump took action before the rest of the country even thought that the coronavirus was a big deal. The task force was established on January 29th. He banned travel from China on January 31st. China reported its first death from coronavirus on January 11th, which we now know there were people who died long before this from the coronavirus in China, but we didn't know that then. Uh, just weeks before that, the World Health Organization told the world that there was no human-to-human -human transmission with coronavirus, only from bats to humans. We obviously know that's not true. Uh, the world Health Organization, by the way, is a completely corrupt organization and functions as a propaganda arm for China, but that's a story for a different day. Uh, this is from an article in the Statesman by Miriam Valverde. She is quoting Samantha Kiernan, a research associate at the Council on Foreign Relations. She says, while the United States was not one of the first countries to impose restrictions against travel from China, nor was it late to do so relative to the actions of others. Rather, the United States acted around the same time that many other countries did. Now, that said, Trump did in the beginning, if you want to talk about him downplaying it, yes, he made the right moves about the same time that other people did, but he did say that this was like the flu. He has been dragged for that. There is a Vox.com article that it's titled Trump's seven worst statements about the coronavirus outbreak. And one of them is Trump saying in February that the flu is worse. The Washington Post ran an article about it titled Trump again downplays coronavirus by comparing it to the seasonal flu. It's not a fair comparison. 
Yes, they're right. Trump did say this and it's wrong because it is more infectious than the flu. It spreads more quickly than the flu, more easily. You can be contagious and asymptomatic for longer than you are with the flu. But everyone thought that this was like the flu, including the media, including the experts. And not as bad as the flu, a lot of people said. Here's a montage by the outlet Free Beacon uh, of the media. So CNN, MSNBC, all of these outlets that are criticizing Trump for saying that or for comparing it to the flu at all. Uh, this was in January and even February, these outlets saying that this isn't as bad as the flu. People are like, you know, I think I have the flu. Could it be the coronavirus? Overall, most people should not be terribly concerned about it. You definitely want to pay attention. Should they panic? No, Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however, mm -hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. Flu is a much bigger deal. There's an important context we need to keep this in, and that is that the flu is more deadly. Maybe this is a good opportunity to remind people of that. Such a good reminder. And while there's a lot of fear over this coronavirus, you know, the flu is already widespread in the U.S. and, and it really is much more deadly, is it not? Coronavirus is not going to cause a major issue in the United States. We're going to have 40 to 60,000 deaths this year in the United States from the influenza and it's preventable. And there are only 12 confirmed cases of coronavirus here in the state. The risk is low. The risk, however, for the flu is through the roof. Health warning from doctors why they say people should be more worried about the flu than the coronavirus. Half of the people in America do not get a flu shot, and the flu right now is far deadlier. So if you're freaked out at all about the coronavirus, you should be more concerned about the flu. On January 27th, uh, Media Matters ran this article titled Fox News Fearmongers About Coronavirus with Dubiously Sourced Viral Video. It was about a segment on Fox and Friends where the host discussed a video online that said that the death rate for the coronavirus was actually a lot higher than what was being reported. And this is true, by the way. This has ended up being true. U.S. intelligence has since confirmed that China is lying about their numbers, that there are far more infected and far more dead in China than they have actually said. On February 17th, USA Today posted an interview with Dr. Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. The article with the interview said this, Fauci doesn't want people to worry about coronavirus, the danger of which he says is, quote, just minuscule. But he does want them to take precautions against the influenza outbreak, which is having its second wave. The New York Times ran an opinion piece titled Beware the Pandemic Panic by Farhad Manju on January 29th. In it, he says this, the new virus's death toll has just exceeded 130. For context, according to the CDC, about 15 million Americans have been sickened by the seasonal flu so far in the 2019-2020 flu season, and 8,200 have died from it. The flu kills between 300,000 and 650,000 people around the world annually. That was in the New York Times at the end of January. And then on April 3rd, the New York Times published a video titled, Is it like the flu? Is it a major threat? Trump's changing coronavirus message. I don't know, New York Times. Why don't you tell us if it's like the flu? Uh, the New York Times ran another piece on February 5th titled, Who says it's not safe to travel to China? The byline says the coronavirus travel ban is unjust and doesn't work anyway. Really? 
It does it. That's interesting. Of course it helped. Of course it did. That's common sense. And dozens of other countries did the same thing. The New York Times White House correspondent Maggie Haberman admitted that it worked, that it was probably effective in the New York Times podcast, The Daily. She said at the end of the day, it was probably effective because it did actually take a pretty aggressive measure against the spread of the virus. Now, she does go on after that to criticize Trump for not doing more and for thinking that banning travel was enough, but she herself admits that the travel ban from China was an effective call. But the New York Times and other outlets and Joe Biden labeled Trump a xenophobe, not just for this, but also for calling it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. They said that's racist, that's bigoted, that's counterproductive. We don't need to be doing that. That's going to cause a rampant racism in this country. Well, here is a montage of outlets like CNN and MSNBC uh, put together by town hall media calling it the Wuhan virus or the Chinese Wuhan virus before they decided they were going to push this narrative that Trump is a xenophobe for calling it the Wuhan virus. At least six people have died from the Wuhan coronavirus. The Wuhan coronavirus has now surpassed the 2003 SARS outbreak and the number of lives it's claimed. They're under quarantine out of concern that passengers and crew were exposed to the Wuhan coronavirus. And this breaking news just into CNN, the official death toll from the Wuhan coronavirus in China's Hubei province has now risen to 780. Having to deal with it, the total number of deaths from the Wuhan coronavirus, it's now surpassed the SARS outbreak from 2002, 2003. Obviously, it is a Chinese virus, and that is not against Chinese people. We don't have, we shouldn't have anything against Chinese people. This isn't their fault. It is an indictment of the Chinese Communist Party who didn't do enough to mitigate this and to limit its effects, not just in China, but around the world. Uh, it originated in Wuhan, China, and just like the West Nile virus, just like the Spanish flu, just like uh, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, the disease's origins can be acknowledged in its name without it actually being racist. Uh, but this was the major concern of many left-wing outlets. Because remember, their chief concern right now is making you hate Trump so that you don't vote for him in November. Uh, they likely care about people, people getting sick and dying. Yes, of course, they're human beings. They don't want to get sick and die. They don't want their loved ones to get sick and die. But uh, people getting sick and dying is of little concern to much of their reporting if they can't prove that people getting sick and dying is Trump's fault. That's just the truth. Uh, CNN ran an article on February 28th titled How Trump and His Fox News Allies Are Infecting the Public Trust Amid Coronavirus Concerns. It was actually a video by CNN's Brian Stelter. And here is Barack Obama in his endorsement, finally, of Joe Biden, saying that Republicans denied the science of pandemics. And denied the science of climate change, just as they denied the science of pandemics. Nancy Pelosi, uh, this was reported by New York Post, said this, the more misrepresentations he, Trump, puts out there, the more it obscures the truth. We have to insist upon the truth. What they're saying is not knowledge, is not facts, is not real. Well, here's Nancy Pelosi back in February telling people that they should go into Chinatown in San Francisco. You should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. 
Uh, we know that there's a concern about tourism traveling all throughout the world, uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown and hope that others will come. So here's what's happening. Uh, the media and Democrats are gaslighting you. They are making you feel crazy for ever thinking or ever wondering if they didn't take this seriously. They want you to believe as a conservative that you are the one that is peddling and consuming misinformation from Fox News and the president and that they, they have been exclusively the vigilant keepers of the truth all along. If they had a sliver, just a sliver of integrity, they'd say, look, we got it wrong. We downplayed it too. We didn't know. They can criticize and critique the president. Again, I said that. That's fine. That's fair game. But to pretend like they have been getting it right since the beginning and the president hasn't is lunacy. When in fact, the president took this seriously before they did and they criticized him for it. Um, I thought that this was going to be no big deal too. I got that wrong and that's because that's what we were told. We were told by the modelers, uh, the messages that were relayed by the media and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, and probably from them in good faith, that we are going to run out of beds. This is going to be a nightmare that we don't have enough personnel. We don't have enough equipment. We don't have enough ventilators. People are going to have to share ventilators. And then the media switched their narrative, switched from this, okay, this isn't that big of a deal in January and February and right-wing media and Trump, they're just fear-mongering, they're just trying to scare you, to March saying, oh, wow, this is a huge deal. We've been saying this all along and Trump and Fox News have never been saying it. We're the only ones that are going to uh, prevent you and your family from dying. Uh, but not everyone has died, not nearly as many people as they predicted were going to die, have died. Of course, it's still tragic when even just one person dies and I don't want anyone to get sick. That's why my family and I have been socially distancing for over a month now and have been taking all of the precautions that we possibly can because we do believe in the seriousness of it, but it hasn't been as bad as they projected. And we thank the Lord for that. Even in the epicenter of the disease in, in New York City, they've had uh, all of the ventilators and all of the beds that they've needed. In other parts of the country, nurses and doctors, or nurses at least, are being laid off because elective procedures have been canceled to anticipate a surge that never came or hasn't come yet for these hospitals. And so they don't need as many, uh, as many people, as many nurses as they thought that they would. So people are getting laid off. Uh, Cuomo himself, the governor of New York, said the Trump administration has been incredibly uh, accessible and incredibly helpful. California's Governor Newsom said the Trump administration has shown effective leadership. Uh, the media refused to give Trump credit and refused to accept responsibility for their own mishaps. Uh, but there are people who are actually in this fight, politicians who are actually in this fight saying that Trump is actually being extremely helpful. So all of this makes the media hypocrites if we didn't know that already. Now, the media are trying to tell you as well that this anti-malaria drug, hydroxychloroquine, uh, that has been effective in possibly thousands of patients across the country and even around the world and has been highlighted by Trump is probably going to kill you. Uh, this is their, their next thing that they are trying to push to try to make Trump more culpable for all of this craziness than he actually is. The New York Times headline says small chloroquine, chloroquine study halted over risk of fatal heart complications. 
CNN, heart risk concerns mount around use of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 treatment. Uh, these two headlines are referencing a small study out of Brazil, and okay, that might be uh, worth noting, but this drug has been around for decades, and there is anecdotal evidence at least that it works. Not in everyone, maybe, not in every case, but it works. And the media are focusing exclusively on the side effects. That's not to say that they shouldn't report on the side effects, but they are focusing exclusively on the side effects. Uh, every drug, every treatment, you guys know this, have side effects. Uh, have you ever listened to like the last 30 seconds of uh, a prescription drug commercial that lists all of the side effects? Some of the side effects are even deadly. Chemotherapy has side effects that can be deadly. If the president said, hey, chemotherapy, I I've seen it work in many cancer patients, would the media then write articles about only the side effects of chemotherapy, uh, that it may cause uh, hair loss, nausea, and in some cases might be fatal? Uh, NBC even surmised that maybe Trump has a financial stake and the use of the drug, which is a conjecture that has since been debunked, but hey, they ran with it anyway. Uh, it's up to the doctors and the patients to decide what's best with this. Trump isn't saying that people have to take this pill. The doctors are going to decide that with their patients, like in all things, but the media are pretending like Trump is actually going into these hospitals. He's taking this medicine and he's putting it down the patient's throats and they're dying from it. That's not what's happening, but again, he wants to make it morally um, morally reprehensible for you to vote for him in November. So they are trying to uh, pin blame on him however they possibly can. That is also why they and many Democrats are pushing so hard for the economy to stay locked down. It's why uh, they don't want there to be a cure or even a vaccine anytime soon. They want to create as much pandemonium, as much outrage as possible. They want to highlight Trump's failures and downplay his administration's successes so that no one gets the hint that maybe he's doing an okay job, a perfect job, no. Could we have been more prepared? Yes. Could we have been more efficient and effective with our testing process sooner? Yes. Could we do without Trump's incessant tweeting about ratings and what uh, what Fox News host he likes or doesn't like? Yes, a thousand percent. But the truth is, things are going better than expected. There has not been a shortage of ventilators. Hospitals have not been overrun. Hospitals have actually been laying people off, like I said. So it just hasn't been exactly what we expected. The media cannot report on the United States' successes at all. Instead, they write articles about how well China is doing. This is the New York Times. It's coronavirus cases dwindling. China turns focus outward. A Beijing is mounting a humanitarian aid blitz in countries struggling with their own outbreaks. In doing so, it's stepping into a role the West once dominated. Praise for totalitarian China. Never mind that China lied about the seriousness of the disease, continued to lie about how many people have been infected, how many people have died, claimed the disease originated in the United States and was released in China by the U.S. military, uh, welded their own people inside their homes so they couldn't leave in the needless, uh, which resulted in the needless deaths of thousands of people, not to mention also that right now they are shutting down house churches, they are violently persecuting Christians, and as we speak, there are over a million Muslims that are in concentration camps in China. Uh, here's a headline from Monday in the Washington Post. 
Africans in China allege racism as fear of new virus cases unleashes xenophobia. See, it's even interesting in that Washington Post headlines uh, uh, headline that they aren't actually accusing China of racism, even though there's evidence of that. They are saying Africans in China allege racism as fear of new virus cases unleash xenophobia. The article goes on to say Africans living in the southern Chinese city of Guangzhou say they have been evicted from their apartments and refused entry to restaurants as part of a xenophobic campaign against black people that is ostensibly aimed at curbing the transmission of the novel coronavirus. So yes, great humanitarian record there. Glad you guys in the media are on their side. Here is another huge change in the narrative from our beloved mainstream media. On February 17th, the Washington Post ran an article titled Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. That's not an opinion piece that is in the political section of the Washington Post. Here's what they said in that article. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, repeated a fringe theory suggesting that the ongoing spread of a coronavirus is connected to research in the disease ravaged epicenter of Wuhan, China. Cotton referenced a laboratory in the city, the Wuhan National Biosafety Laboratory, in an interview on Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures. He said the lab was near a market some scientists initially thought was a starting point for the virus's spread. We don't know where it originated, and we have to get to the bottom of that, Cotton said. We also know that just a few miles away from that food market is China's only biosafety level 4 super laboratory that researches human infectious diseases. Now, uh, recently, or just a couple days ago, there was another article in the Washington Post that says, in response to Cotton's remarks, as well as in previous interviews with the Washington Post, numerous experts dismissed the possibility the coronavirus may be man-made. But that's not what Senator Cotton said. He didn't say it was man-made. He did say it could have been a lab accident. Now, yesterday, the Post published an article by Josh Rogan arguing that there is a big possibility that the coronavirus is in fact a result of a lab accident in Wuhan. So exactly what Senator Tom Cotton said, exactly what the Washington Post said is ridiculous, scoffed at, and they said it's debunked. Uh, apparently, in 2018, U.S. officials in China warned about this lab and said it was not secure, said that there was a possibility of some kind of leak of a virus like coronavirus because of the lab's work with bats. The article says the Chinese government, meanwhile, has put a total lockdown on information related to the virus origins. Beijing has yet to provide U.S. experts with samples of the novel coronavirus collected from the earliest cases. The Shanghai lab that published the novel coronavirus genome on January 11th was quickly shut down by authorities for, quote, rectification. Several of the doctors and journalists who reported on the spread early on have disappeared. On February 14th, Chinese President Xi Jinping called for a new biosecurity law to be accelerated. On Wednesday, CNN reported the Chinese government has placed severe restrictions requiring approval before any research institution publishes anything on the origin of the novel coronavirus. So that's probably fine. Like, that probably checks out, right? Definitely doesn't sound like it was in a lab or anything, that there was any kind of lab accident. So I really look forward 
to the Washington Post and all of the media outlets that castigated that made fun of Tom Cotton for suggesting that maybe it was a lab accident. He didn't even say it was a bioweapon. He said that's a possibility, which it is a possibility, but he said it could have originated uh, in this lab. It could have been a lab accident. It could have leaked in all of these Twitter blue check marks. And of course, the Washington Post said this is totally debunked and dragged him through the mud. So I look forward to all of these people apologizing to Tom Cotton now that we know that there is for sure evidence that it probably did originate there. <sighs> all of this said, this is a very real disease. It's obviously easily transmissible. It is infecting a lot of people. It's killing a lot of people. I'm very thankful for everyone who has taken the personal responsibility to uh, stay at home and to socially distance and all of that. And like I said, my family and I have been doing that and taking it very seriously. But that does not mean that the media isn't leveraging this to try to hurt Donald Trump and to try to paint everyone who questions the mainstream narrative in a bad and in a harmful light. It's okay for us to say, yeah, socially distancing is a good idea. I don't like what the media is doing. Socially distancing is a good idea, but I don't like that civil liberties are being suspended in all of this. Uh, just another reminder that the media is not on your side and they do put themselves as an adversary to the American people. Uh, the Washington Post uh, tweeted that uh, tweeted about a reverend or a pastor that claimed that God was bigger than the coronavirus and they seemingly gleefully tweeted that he had died. So the Washington Post tweeted this, prominent Virginia pastor who said God is larger than this dreaded virus dies of COVID-19. So obviously what they are trying to depict for you in that tweet is the irony uh, in a person of faith, someone who puts their faith in God dying. That's what they're trying to demonstrate. They're trying to, they've got a little tongue in cheek there. They've got a little smirk as they're writing this tweet about this Virginia pastor dying who said that God is bigger than the coronavirus. What they're trying to say is that, ha ha, he has been proved wrong. And you people of faith who think that God is in control all of this, when you end up dying, we're gonna laugh at you too. But they're so secular and stupid that they don't understand that this pastor dying of the coronavirus doesn't actually undermine what he said. It doesn't actually discount the fact that God is bigger than the coronavirus. And if they had any scintilla of wisdom or biblical knowledge or theological savvy at all, they would understand that someone dying of the coronavirus doesn't undermine their faith in God, that we understand that people die every day. People of faith die of cancer every day. They die of all kinds of diseases and sicknesses and of natural disasters. That doesn't mean that we think that God is not sovereign, that he's not good, that he's not in control, because for the Christian, dying isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. We still believe even if every, even if millions of people died from the coronavirus, that doesn't mean that God isn't bigger than the coronavirus. Of course he is. Of course, maybe you should listen to some of my podcasts, the Washington Post, and you would understand a little bit about the sovereignty of God instead of subtly laughing at the fact that a person of faith has died from the coronavirus. Uh, maybe you could have just a shred, a shred of decency for just a second. But unfortunately, there has been 
um, an uptick in persecution against Christians, uh, not just online, but also in person. There was uh, a church recently that they tried to gather for just a drive-in service, and there were nails all over the parking lot and in the entrance to the church because people apparently think that this is a good time to drive even more hate against people of faith. Oh man, it's a crazy time that we're living in, but I just wanted to make sure that you were updated on that. We've been taking a break, trying to give you a little bit of a reprieve uh, from all of the crazy stuff that's been going on, but I just wanted to, I just, I just had to lay this all out there because it's driving me crazy. Okay, I will see you guys back here on Friday.